Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. If in this day and age we were to have somebody who had done some marvelous works, whose teaching really stirred our hearts, um, they had shown that they, um, miracles abounded in their presence, and then they stood up and said, um, the White House, the Capitol, the Supreme Court building, the Pentagon, all of this will be rubble shortly. How, how would that affect us? Well, at the earlier service, there were two uh, little girls, and one went, eee! <laughs> like that. I think it was something she was coloring, but it was absolutely amazing that the sound effects went right along with the question. Um, we would be devastated um, because these things are symbols of America. They symbolize who we are as a nation. Um, more than that, they symbolize a form of, of government, a democracy. And so to say that they would be rubble would actually mean that the nation had kind of become rubble itself. They are representative of a greater ideal. Well, on a lesser degree than, on a greater degree than that even, this is what the thought of the temple being raised to the ground would elicit in the nation of Israel. Because it symbolized the people. It symbolized their nationhood, but more than that, it symbolized for them that they were truly still God's chosen people. That God had set them apart from all of the other nations. And the temple meant that God was still the God of his people. You remember that, the, uh, that once when God led the people out of captivity in Egypt, that in their wanderings, he told Moses how to construct a tabernacle that was a moving temple, if you will, for the presence of the Lord. Because Moses would go out and meet God in the tent of meeting. And we heard that when he would come back from there, his very face would shine with the glory of God having encountered. He was the only one who could go in and speak with God. But the tabernacle was set up with uh, specific directions as to its construction and um, it was set up with tent pegs so that it could easily be taken up and every time they moved, they'd move, set up the uh, tabernacle first and then all of their tents all the way around it. And so God was with them by a pillar of fire and by cloud. 
God stayed with his people. And then when they entered into the land, into the promised land, into Canaan, into the land that became the land of Israel, David, the greatest of all kings, wanted to build a house for the Lord. And the Lord says, I don't need a house. You can't contain God in a building. But when uh, Solomon came along, the Lord said, these are the specifications for a temple. Not that God would dwell there, but that people could meet God there in the Holy of Holies. But not all the people, just one person and once a year after they had atoned for their own sins and for the sins of the people with sacrifices. And so they would go in once a year um, into the Holy of Holies. That was the first temple that Solomon built, um, given instructions by the Lord and by God himself as to how this temple was to be constructed. And so... Uh, there were sacrifices made in the, in the temple court, courtyards for the sins of the people. Um, you've heard me say this before, because only one person was allowed, had made enough sacrifices to go into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where Aaron's budded staff was, the Ten Commandments, the manna from the wilderness travelings, all of those kept in the Ark of the uh, Covenant. Um, they were tied with a piece of rope so that if they never came out, they could be pulled out. If they died in there, nobody else could go in, so they would be pulled out. Well, that temple, Tabernacle First Temple, that temple had been destroyed at the time of the Babylonian captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had come in and his troops had raised Jerusalem, broken down the walls and burnt down that first temple. And then when the remnant came back from captivity and exile in Babylon, they started to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem under Ezra and Nehemiah, and they were starting to rebuild the temple. Well, fast forward to Jesus' day, 500 years later, and Herod um, wants to make the temple absolutely glorious not really for God, but because he wanted to make a name for himself. He went through several building projects, this being one of them. So in Jesus' day, this is the second temple, or Herod's temple. And it extended on the top of the hill of Jerusalem. Jerusalem as a city is built on a hill, and so that it can be seen as you approach Jerusalem. And the temple was put on the top of the hill in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, this new temple, the second temple, uh, the entire complex covered about a quarter of a mile square with the temple proper being in the center. Well, now, God had left the temple. In the time of Ezekiel, God had said, my presence is going out of the temple but they still had the Holy of Holies and in some way it represented to them that they were still a nation, that God would come and throw off the yoke of Rome from their captivity. And they were truly God's people. But we see just before 
um, this particular passage in the gospel, what had happened to that nation in this little story about the widow's offering. The people were not acting as God's people. The widow put in all of her money into the treasury. But others were just putting in out of their surplus, out of the abundance. So she who was the poorest was putting in more proportionately. And it it was kind of idiomatic of what was happening within the nation. The temple itself um, was no longer where God was and God's ways were being done. To make the sacrifices, people would have to pay the temple money. And to get the temple money, they had to exchange their own money. That's all of the money changers in the temple courtyards. And they were charging extortionate fees to make the exchange of money. So the temple, instead of being the house of God and the house of prayer, it was no longer that. It truly was no longer a place where God or his ways abided at all. But for them to hear the words of Jesus that this building would be raised to the ground um, took them very much aback. It would have shocked the people there. Much the same if we were told that these buildings um, of ours were going to be destroyed. And indeed, when uh, at his trial, these are the words that people would use against Jesus as blasphemy. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. See, if God was present with his people in the tabernacle, in the first temple, and in the second temple for a period of time, he is now present in Jesus Christ. God tabernacles amongst his people in Jesus In John's Gospel, he puts it this way, beautiful. I love the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt that we translate as dwelt actually is the same word as the word for the tabernacle in the wilderness wanderings. He tabernacled amongst us. In other words, God's temple now is the very body, human body, of Jesus Christ. Tabernacle, first temple, second temple, Jesus. There is no need for a building because God is present with all of his people in Jesus Christ. And indeed, Just 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, that amazingly beautiful building was completely destroyed. And it has never been rebuilt. All that remains of that second glorious temple is the Wailing Wall. It doesn't need to be rebuilt because God lives 
in Jesus. He came and dwelt amongst us. But we know that in the incarnation, God amongst us, Emmanuel, God with us, in the tent of humanity, tabernacling with us, could only be with those people that he was humanly able to encounter during his incarnation. All of the people that he encountered in Galilee or on the streets of Judea, but he was confined to a human body. He tabernacled amongst us, but was only available to those who came in contact with him. But remember, after his resurrection, he told his disciples, I must go away. I must return to the Father. He stayed with them for 40 days. But I must leave you. Because unless I leave you, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. But if I go, then I will send the Holy Spirit to dwell with you. Indeed, to dwell in you. See, there is now another temple. Tabernacle, first temple. Second temple, Jesus temple. Us, temple. We are the temple of God. Hear what Paul says to the church in Corinth. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Not the building, but you. All of us knit together God's holy temple. The place where God comes and tabernacles with us. Holy, not because of who we are. See, God can only dwell where people are made holy. Where sin has been covered and done away with. See, that was why in the tabernacle and in the temple, only one person was the mediator between God and the people. But through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, where he took all of our sins upon himself and then gave us his righteousness, his holiness, we are now made holy so that God can dwell in us. Because God's holiness consumes sin. A holy God cannot be in the presence of sin without utterly consuming it. Now we hear in Malachi, See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root or branch. See, we're talking again as we're coming down to the end of this season of ordinary time, late Pentecost, 
as I said last week, we're talking about the end times as well. We're talking about the day, the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, the day of judgment, tabernacle, God in the desert with his people, temple, God with his people, second temple, Jesus, the church, the temple of God, the bride of Christ, God dwelling in us as the people of God, indwelt by God himself. Again, Paul to the Corinthian church, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them. I will live in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And Paul to the church in Ephesus, you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We, not the building, we are the dwelling place of God. Knit together. We are the holy temple of the Lord. Built on a sure foundation. Buildings crumble they do not endure the Colosseum beautiful in its day the Acropolis in Athens the temple in Jerusalem beautiful buildings in history they all crumble all man-made buildings crumble but this temple is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ But it's not the last temple. There is one yet to come. When Christ returns, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And in the book of Revelation, we hear this. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said, and I'll show you the bride. Here we're the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. The temple of the living God. The bride of Christ. The bride of the Lamb. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Then he took me in the spirit up a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God. It is radiant, like the radiance of a rare and precious jewel, like a jasper stone, crystal clear, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. 
the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day for there will be no night there. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing that has not been made holy will ever come into it. Nor will anyone who practices abomination or who tells lies, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. See, Judgment Day is not a day to fear. It's the day when God finally puts everything to right. It's the day when evil is done away with. It is a day to eagerly look forward to because the holy city, God himself, comes to earth. And we no longer need the moon or the sun because... God himself is our light. God in the tabernacle. God in the temple. God in Jesus Christ. God in his people, the temple. God at the end of the age with us. We see him face to face. Not just when we go to heaven, but when heaven comes back to earth at the end of the age and God truly dwells with his people, no longer needing a tabernacle or a temple, but he is with us all because we have been made holy. And at that time, he comes and dwells with his people. There will be no more night there will not need we will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the lord god will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever and ever there is no end because at the end of this age there is that age and God dwells with his people from heaven the holy city comes to earth God is all in all and there is no more evil but for now we are the temple of the living God built on one foundation and one foundation only, and the sure foundation that will never crumble. Even the gates of hell will not prevail against it, because it is built on Jesus Christ himself. So if we hear rumors of wars, and earthquakes, and storms, and things that might come, there is nothing that will destroy this temple because of who it is built on. If you have storms in your life, if you have earthquakes going on, he's the only foundation. He's a sure foundation. And you will not stumble or fall. 
because he will endure forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>